Oregon held serve with a convincing home win over Colorado and Washington. The offense ignited in the second half down in the desert to set up a big-time rivalry week. It's Oregon-Washington week. It's eligible receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver. Offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So right into last week, we started off on a Friday night. You got you got to make sure Oregon either has the game at home or has a bye week before they play Washington uh, or at least has one extra day to prepare. You know, yeah, couple <laughs> like, home games, couple home games in a row, an extra day of rest. They they got they got there what they needed. They got they 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 know how to set this up. One of the one of these years, I'm going to go back and look like during their period of uh, dominance, uh, which is arguably still continuing right now. Uh, how many like because I know they certainly had more home games than we've had during that you know the 2000s to like for some reason I don't know why because they were aggrieved in the past, but. Uh, uh, so to start, so I'm bitter already before we started, but, uh, Oregon on Friday night last week, they hosted Colorado, uh, the buffs coming off a close loss to Arizona, uh, went to Otson and they were no match for Oregon, Oregon, real, real solid 45 to three winners. Yeah. I mean, looks like Col- I mean, Colorado's defense is really bad. Um, I mean, worse than I think anybody thought it was going to be and they offensively just could never get it going Montez you know Oregon has always played this aggressive style of defense that sort of pins its ears back and and you know tries to force mistakes and then assumes or hopes that on the offensive side of the ball they're gonna they're gonna score enough points to you know that once you make a mistake they're gonna score and you're gonna be two scores down and that's gonna be it um in this game there are a couple of good interceptions for Oregon Kept Montez on his back foot all night, and I mean, really, Oregon blew this, blew the doors off this game at the end of the first half when it was seventeen to three, and looked like Colorado might be going in to score. And Montez threw a pick in the end zone, and Oregon took the ball and scored instead. And so instead of it being seventeen ten, you're looking at twenty four three, and that's your ball game. Yeah. Uh, so Oregon did have a significant injury uh, to the tight end in this game, who's a favorite target of the Air Bear. Uh, let me, I want to make sure I say this. Jacob Breland, uh, who I believe is going to be out, uh, for Washington this week. So that's kind of something they're thinking about. And even, you know, though, an offensive explosion for Oregon, uh, Herbert's numbers, not necessary in their offensive fine, uh, but weren't like overwhelming. You know, he didn't complete a ton of passes, a great percentage, uh, threw for two touchdowns, didn't have a ton of yards, you know? Didn't need to. Colorado wasn't up for this game, so it uh, it didn't really matter, and they could uh, just kind of sit back in the second half and start prepping. You're right; they, they had a couple of uh, minor dings. Uh, Troy Dye and Javon Holland on defense got nicked up a little bit and got held out for some time. Precautionary. Looks like they'll play this week, um, but uh, yeah, just a pretty pretty soft landing for Oregon on Friday night with minimal resistance from the Buffs. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll save that for next week. All right, so we moved on to Saturday. Uh, USC went to Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame prohibitive favorites in this game for a very up-and-down USC team. Uh, USC did show up in this game. Uh, they were down 17-3 to at half, but they stormed back in the second half and made it a field goal game. 
but Notre Dame does get the win, thirty to twenty-seven. That had to have been a USC cover, though, right? Oh yeah, that was like a eleven-point spread in favor of the Irish. So the uh, you know Trojans winning the second half, twenty-four to thirteen. I mean, you know. Talked, oh, is it going to save Clay Hilton's job? Yeah, I mean, it's like it doesn't matter, right? Like it's in a in a in a different world if they're got a first year coach and a true freshman backup quarterback. It's it's probably worth talking about, you know, the upside to USC for being so competitive on the road. But it's like at this stage in the game, it's just like, okay, that, you know, Clay Hilton's still going to lose his job at the end of this year, and that's that. So it just doesn't really matter as far as I can, you know far as i'm concerned and doesn't really impact them in their the southern you know the southern division of the pac-12 so you know good for them for getting close but that doesn't doesn't do much for them yeah for sure uh the return of Keaton slovis in this game uh who whatever <laughs> who cares uh, next up utah went to corvallis tricky little game for them in utah Kaboom! Fifty-two to seven wins over or winners over Oregon State. Oregon State they were coming off their win over UCLA, uh, one Pac-12 win that might do it for the year. Yeah, Tyler Huntley fourteen to seventeen for two hundred and forty-seven yards and two touchdowns. It's not bad when you have seventeen attempts and two hundred and fifty yards. That's that'll do it. Um, what do you think so, about that Zach Moss line? Yeah, also not bad. Wow. F- five carries. What's what's a good if you didn't know? What's a good number of yards to get off of five carries? Like forty. Yeah, monster day. Thirty-five. Thirty-five is pretty good. I mean, that's seven yards. That's seven yards a touch. Yeah, he got one hundred and twenty-one. Yeah, that is in excess of twenty-two yards a carry. Yeah, that's pretty good. That'll do it. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, that's maybe that's why they only had to throw it seventeen times. they only ran in five. Like what? Like what? What did they do for offense in this game? I don't understand. They didn't. It's like uh, in baseball how they have like the thing now where instead of throwing the four balls, you know, you can just like point to first. Yeah. (laughs) They were just like touchdown. Go in. Touchdown. Okay. All right. We're Utah's kicking off again. Yeah. Oh man, that was great. Uh, next. That's, way, that's a thing you can do that in baseball now. Yeah, they started. It was kind of a bummer because, uh, like the year before, they changed the rule. Because, like, Rob Manfred in baseball, the commissioner, is uh, on this fool's errand to cater to uh, this mythical person who would watch baseball if it were 15 minutes shorter or something, right? You know, okay, which I don't think this person exists so. They're, uh, they have like, so they've instituted pace of play rules where like that, well, that's one, that's one of the big ones. They're supposed to limit mound visits. Uh, like you only get so many a game, uh, and that, uh, also hitters aren't supposed to leave the batter's box once they're, you know, in there. Otherwise the umpire can theoretically call a strike on them, you know, if they walk out of it, which has never happened. And All also, right. and also those people don't exist is the other thing. So you shouldn't cater to them. Baseball's fine. They've been playing it that way for a hundred years. Yeah. It's not going to change my position on watching any baseball, but, but now yeah. at least I know that they've made adjustments to the game. So yeah, to me, it only shows weakness. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a classic Democrat move attempting to cater people, cater to people who have no interest in compromising with you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's foolish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arizona state. 
Hosted Washington State. Uh, good little game, huh? How about it? Uh, Arizona State, 38-34 to 34 winners. Uh, they overcome a monster passing day from Anthony Gordon, 466 yards and three tugs. Uh, Eno Benjamin, 137 yards on the ground. And Brandon Ayuk through the air, getting it done for ASU, 196 yards and three touchdowns. I have a question. When so let's when did touchdowns become tugs? I heard it for the first time uh when Jaden Mickens uh had two uh for the Jaguars in a game and uh got interviewed by Deion Sanders on the NFL Network's uh 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 you know like post game show highlights show. Yeah. Because uh, he's got his, like, uh, uh, because uh, if you ball, you get the call. Okay. Uh, so Deion Sanders called him up, and he was talking about it. And he said that he had two tugs in the game. And Jadon Mickens uh, seemed to know what he was talking about. And I inferred that they were talking about touchdowns. Because now I, it's, like, all the rage now. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's what it is now. So that that's where I heard it the first time. I'm sure it had existed for a long time in uh, – uh, uh, communities that I'm not intimately familiar with. Okay. So it's like a newer thing though, as far as we know, like as far like, as I know. Yeah. I, like I heard one of the, like Ashley Adamson on like the PAC 12 network yesterday, like refer to it as a tug. And I was like, okay, so everybody now we're all doing this. Yep. We're all um, doing tugs. It's like on TV, you know, just in a highlight package. And it's just something that's popped up. So Where like, the, the role that, uh, uh, we play, as or I play, I won't speak for you. That are the role that I play as a forty-year-old, uh, you know, like kind of dad with kids, white yeah. guy, white guy, is to learn what these new words are, so they become uncool, uh, to necessitate the development of newer, cooler slang. Yeah. So it's important that we learn what these words are and start using them, so that yeah. the language moves forward. Yeah, it's probably probably still cool if I use it. I'm 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 only thirty-nine still. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You're in an entirely different demographic than I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so back to your point. This is a good game. Um, super fun, which kind of featured uh, the winning touchdown from uh, the uh, the true freshman quarterback for ASU doing a little uh, little helicopter into the end zone there. Did you, get, did you catch that? That was pretty smooth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did but, see that, actually, now that you mention it. Shades of uh, what's the, what's the guy from uh, the University of Arizona? The dog uh, Ortiz Jenkins. Ortiz Jenkins flipping into the end zone at Husky Stadium, circa nineteen ninety eight. Um, oh my god! I was sitting next to that with the star of the film Echo. I think it was called Lathrop yeah, Walker. We were all there. We we had our package of of tickets with Chaz and Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> the gang was all together the, the, never to be separated they called us, I believe. um yeah and uh so ortiz jenkins did it in 98 and this wasn't uh to be fair a full somersault flip into the end zone but it had elements of that as uh the young freshman daniels you know left his feet and did a, i'd say a full 360 after getting hit and as on his way into the end zone those are cool those those the, those look equally cool. They're not as uh, uh, as in uh, full of intent as an athletic move as the forward yeah. flip, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're they're also like they look crazy. Uh, what I like about them is that like when you're up there, 
uh, like I feel like with the forward flip, you know, you're going forward the whole time on the, on the 360, you're like, I might die and I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And you have no idea where it is. I see home and away fans. But he was, he was in the end zone when he stopped and there was only like 30 seconds left in the game at that point. So Washington state did not have any time left with which to operate. I mean, had they had like a minute and a half, they probably would have scored and won. That's the, that was kind of the momentum. Although I guess that's not entirely true. They only scored three points in the fourth quarter, but it certainly felt like um, this was a lot of action in this game. And, uh, yeah, super super fun game to watch. Probably my favorite game of the weekend to watch in terms of action. Um, and uh, yeah, look at Arizona State, man. They're just five and one now, like ranked, like cruising in the South. Like Herm's got it going on. Herm, dude. Herm. They all laughed. They all laughed at Herm. Herm. Uh, maybe an indirect parallel uh, with President Trump. You know, in terms of nobody believed in him. I would love to see what Herm thinks of the term tub. I'd uh, love to hear Herm's yeah. of the term tub. I bet he's got plenty to say about it. I'm sure he does. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Washington. Here now, uh, they play. They went to Arizona. Uh, so on Saturday, right? Uh, my son was at a school on Thursday, or at a preschool on Thursday and Friday because he was sick. You know, yeah. do, doing that thing kids do where they just start throwing up for no reason. You know, yeah. no other symptoms, just throwing up. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, I end up, I end up getting whatever that was by Saturday, right? So I spent like the entire day in bed. You know, luckily yeah. my in laws were over, so like I didn't feel bad about missing the pumpkin patch and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so but I finally, luckily it was like a twenty four hour deal where I felt bad on Friday night, and then by the time the Washington game kicked off, I was like. Okay, I'm feeling solid again. I can, you know, not like great, but you know, I, I'm gonna, I've been like largely in bed for the last 24 hours. I have, enough, I have I enough energy to watch this. I bet your wife found that to be quite the coincidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the thing, what the great thing is, it started so late uh, that she was like largely asleep. You know, by the time it kicked. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the kids getting over an illness. You know, he went to bed a little early, so it was it was great. Really, it was like for for all anybody knew. I slept the entire time. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who knows everybody else. And then like, and also nobody was trying to have anything to do with me. Cause nobody wanted to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. Well, uh, how did that enhance your viewing experience? Uh, it was fantastic. It yeah. was great. Normally with these eight o'clock starts, right. That's kind of in the wheelhouse of getting the kids down. And I'm not really ready to, uh, in a position to devote full attention to the game till like nine at the earliest. But this one I was able to watch from jump. Uh, first half, extremely frustrating. Yep. Uh, Washington's offense, uh, sputtering, nothing really happening. Uh, Arizona took a lead into the half, which you brought up, you brought up the stat, I think, uh, recently on the podcast, but it was, what was it? How many they lost? 15 out of 16. Yeah. When trailing at the half, the Huskies had lost 15 out of their last 16. Were all those under Peterson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's devastating. Uh, so, like, you know, uh, combine that with Washington's trouble in the desert, uh, you don't have reason to think things are going to turn for the better. But turn for the better, they did. They came out in the second half, a completely different team, uh, and blew the doors off of Arizona, 51-27. to 27. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was it, it was just as simple as getting a couple other guys involved in the, in the offense. The You know, the first thing Easton did was he – threw a couple jump balls to Puka Nakua, 
And I'll be damned if Puka Nakua didn't go catch those balls, um, one of which he then landed and sort of clowned the defenders for a little bit and gained another 15 yards. Beautiful play. Um, the touchdown that put Washington back ahead in the game in the third quarter was a, a throw to a guy who I did not know existed. Um, Jordan Chin. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone, are you talking about Jake Westmore or whatever? Yeah, Jack Westover. Yeah. Westover. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know his name. Scored yeah. a touchdown for Huskies. Yeah, he's the third tight end. And you're like, wait a minute, the third tight end? I could, I honest to God, I, I know of three tight ends on the team, and I didn't know that this guy was the third tight end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the is first that, is like is Jacob Hunter Kaiser Bryant. hurt? You, well, the first tight end is, Jake, is Hunter Bryant. The second tight end is Kaiser. The third tight end, you know, in a pinch, I would have been like, well, it's probably Devin Culp, you know, like. Well, I would have thought is is Cade Otten out? I would have yeah, said he's the second is the tight end. Tight end. Like, there's tight ends all over the damn place. I didn't know this guy was on the team, uh, but but there he is uh, blocking. I guess playing some fullback as well. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a nice little a nice little misdirection play. Get him open in the flat. Get him the ball. And just, as soon as you start distributing the ball, Eason's got the arm strength to you know to hit these receivers the defense can't just guard fuller and it just oh it just you know they arizona's defense just cracked like an egg yeah it was a beautiful thing it was an absolutely beautiful thing uh uh what what they're what i what i like about it is they're saying eason spoke up at halftime which is kind of not what he's you know known to do uh but yeah puka nakua getting him i think people have been clamoring to get him involved because he's bigger than the receivers that we run out there normally, Andre Bocelli, who can make plays, but not, you know, he's kind of, he kind of is what he is, you know, at this point. Like he's, he's a nice fourth guy to have out there, you know, like he's, uh, he's not going to do it himself. But if you, especially missing uh, Richard Newton, uh, you need to add somebody to Fuller and Bryant exactly like you said, just to give the defense something else to worry about. And then you take that pressure off, and then our running backs, who aren't like world beaters, have enough room to do what they do. I mean, because we have – we're solid. You know, we're just – we're solid in a lot of areas, not spectacular. So the the more threat, just like any offense you can put out there, it uh, makes things easier for everyone. Yeah, and going into this week, you know, the defensive coordinator for the University of Oregon has to learn who Jack Westover is, you know? Yeah. Like, what a bad thing to have him be yeah. like, oh, they've got this freshman. And and yeah. the thing that works about it is is that Peterson's rationale for not playing freshmen is like, you know, it's all about practice habits. We're gonna put the guys who practice out there. And it's like you see the plays that they run for Puka Nakua, they're freaking jump balls down the sideline, you know? Yep. And, yep. and it's like, you actually don't need to be like super in tune with the whole playbook to to run that play for that kid. And it's okay if that's the only play that he can run. Because it flips games, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, he, he went up and made the catch, and it completely changed the out, like the outcome of that game. So, you know, I feel like he's got Peterson's got egg on his face now because he's like he's trying to to run out this narrative of like you know you got to practice and have everything dialed, and it's like you, you don't, know, you don't not always like sometimes you're just bigger than the freaking cornerback. You don't, you absolutely don't, dude. And like that's a, and I would say that's a weakness a rare weakness of Peterson versus Sark. Uh, because if Sark got some motherfuckers on campus, those motherfuckers were getting in the game, you know, and they didn't have to, you know, you know, demonstrate that they knew every last line of the playbook, uh, you know, or bust their asses at practice to get on the field. Talent plays, 
talents all in that. And that's frankly uh, a difference between a good and great program. You got to be able to recruit stars and you got to be able to tell them that they're going to be able to get on the field. Well, and it's like if Puka Nakua can't block, you know, up to snuff right now, then don't run running plays to his side of the field when he's out there. You know what I mean? Like put him out there and it's the play is going to either be a jump ball to him where he's physically dominant over the person that's guarding him. Or if we do want to switch it up and, you know, keep the defense honest, go the other way, you know, take the, take the running play to the other side. Like problem yeah. solved. You can get him out there for half the plays without tipping your hand as to what you're doing. You know, like it, it may limit you a little bit, but it's, it's still, as you said, talent plays like talent, let him, let him go make plays. He made plays in this game. And, you know, I think it effectively proved the point of everybody who had been wanting to see him in the game um, because he was better than the dude who was guarding him. And he had three catches for 97 yards and, you know, basically flipped the script in the second half of that game. Yeah. And then, you know, and especially so when he's a member of a unit that has left something to be desired over the course of the season. Like, and I know uh, uh, Chris Peterson's too good a coach to give a shit about what the fans think, but it's not, you know, take that out of it. You know, so, or, well, I don't know. from my perspective, what I want to see is that like, if a unit's not doing what they're supposed to do, and we have other guys that can walk and chew gum, and there's a chance, right, they're touted as potentially being somebody, get, you know, get them some reps in the games. And yeah, either, either uh, you find out they can do it, or it's demonstrated that they can't do it. And then, uh, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, validates your decision or something like that. But if you're having, you know, quarters and halves where Washington is just unable to score, uh, it just makes sense to try other things. Well, they tried it and it worked and Washington won big and it was delightful. All right. How are we doing on picks? Uh, we did okay. I, I bounced back from my gopher um, and went two and three last week. You won the week at three and two. Worm uh, tied me at two and three. That puts us for the season. You are in a commanding lead at 34 and 20. I am in second place at 30 and 24, four games back. And Worm is at 500 at 27 and 27. I love it. All right. Uh, maybe I'll pick first this week. Sure. Uh, Thursday night, UCLA, Stanford. Stanford are seven point favorites. UCLA. I don't know, man. They're so bad. They're so bad. How is this only a touchdown? And and Stanford is so bad that you like you have to take into account the fact that Stanford isn't good, and they're still like favored by a touchdown. Yeah, parlay the Stanford and the under. I would feel like, but then who who the hell knows? You know, because UCLA had that one half. <laughs> I mean, they were just like no. it's like they got the star in Mario Brothers. They were untouchable. Yeah, that's no, not going to happen again. Yeah, all right. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll take Stanford in this one. Me too. All right. Reasonable pick. Yeah. Oregon State at Cal. Cal, back to earth a little bit. One and two in the conference. They lose to Oregon. They were on a bye last week. Uh, Oregon State just got thwomped by Utah, playing a kind of similar team, a defense first team. Uh, do we have a Garbers update? I don't think he's playing, but I'm not 100% sure. But for Cal to be a 10.5-point uh, favorite, you'd think he would be. But, I, I mean, after we talked up Oregon State's offense last week and they go out and lay that egg against Utah, eesh, I don't know. But Cal, a 10.5 with 
monster. I was like, what? what? How can that be? Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I got Oregon State looks so bad, though. Well, you going to take Cal? Yeah. How can you not, I feel like? I'll show you how. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Give me the Beaver. Devon Monster's terrible, man. Come on. All right. I'm going Beavers. We'll skip this next one and go right to Colorado and Washington State live on ESPNU, which means – for if you're a fan of one of these schools for one month you're paying five extra bucks on your cable bill you are fading fast <laughs> like you yeah. are i saw this and i tweeted when i like i saw like a little tweet that said that they're playing on espn you and i, I captioned that with like they're headed for the ocho because yeah. that's, <laughs> that's what's going on you don't have much farther to slide yeah. before, before you're not you know you're going to be on like the fishing networks and um, one of my, uh, best owns I ever had, uh, related to Husky football was, uh, with this Coug guy who was a friend of mine in law school. Uh, I knew their game was on, uh, Fox college sports Pacific, which apparently was a channel at some point, you know? Yeah. So I go, uh, Oh, Hey, what channel are you guys on? You're on some weird one, right? Or something like that. You know, and he's like, Oh, Fox college sports Pacific. And I was like, Oh, uh. Oh yeah, we're on a weird one too. And he's like, "Oh, what one?" I was like, uh, "ABC." <laughs> <laughs> got your ass. Gotcha. You. <laughs> that's a that's another one for the dogs. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's like eight out of ten apple cups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, he got me in the end because I'll tell you what, I went to an apple cup with him, uh, and it was the last one they won. <laughs> I bet he enjoyed it. Yeah, only time I went to Martin Stadium. I feel like I was a good sport. I was a nice guy. Let him listen to the Coug post game on the way home. I drove, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there was a nice Coug family in front of me at that game, and they were like trying to take a picture after. And I like, you know, I was like, "Hey, give me that," and I, you know, and like took their nice family picture with them in the scoreboard in front of the, uh, uh, you know, with the showing they beat the Huskies and stuff like that. I was trying to be a good sport. Yeah, and you're like, "Hey, uh, your daughter's going to be driving the next time you win." Yeah. 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 She's like legitimately potentially has graduated from WSU. She's she's nine. She uh she's gonna have a car yeah. the next time he has win this game. Yeah. Well that has had a car for some time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Might have driven the, the car to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh but anyway, as for the game. Uh, two teams that can score, right? Two teams that can't defend. Over yeah. under is big, baby. 70 and a half. It's got to be biggest one of the week in the conference. By lots far. Of, uh, lots of tweets today. Uh, Connor Holiday reporting that the reason Tracy Clay has resigned is because he and Darcel McBath hated each other. And apparently Darcel McBath and Leach go way back and are buddies. So Clay's effectively threatened to resign if something didn't change and nothing changed. So he resigned. Like, that's not great. Like, midweek mojo to be having that coming out but who's darcel mcbath well he's like the secondary coach isn't he he's like on the defensive staff but but clays was the coordinator yeah yeah, yeah. fighting all the time in practice i mean this is all per connor holiday uh but he's reporting it to like theo lawson who's you know like a real reporter so uh and uh yeah and so that's all coming out right now so i don't know i mean if you're with wsu does that galvanize you behind darcel mcbath or is that sort of like an embarrassing 
thing in Colorado. I mean, I don't know. Colorado looks so terrible against Oregon. How do you, you know, and WSU having lost three games in a row for the first time in a minute and having, you know, 12 and a half point favorites. I mean, that's prohibitive. Like that's a big number. I've, I've, uh, I I love picking both these teams. I I gotta say the Cougs do it this week. I yeah, got to. I'm spooked by by Colorado's horrible, no good, very bad week at Oregon. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cougs with you and probably regret it because I mean I my guess is the Cougs gonna win like thirty to twenty four. Yeah, I mean any anything could happen, but I feel like the Cougs are overdue for one. I mean they're the the offense is good enough, you know. Yeah, give me the boss. I'm taking. I'm changing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Four and a half points. Dude. The Cougs could win 35-25, you know? And like mm-hmm. that. It's true. This is true. Uh, Arizona at USC. Uh, interesting game, right? Because USC played well against Notre Dame. They're back home. Uh, something we didn't talk about uh, regarding the Washington game last week. Khalil Tate was shockingly bad against Washington he, last week. He was He was – horrible he was I mean, making just god-awful decisions in yeah in short succession like like one after the other it i mean his his backward left hand lateral that gave washington their first touchdown defensively when they couldn't do anything on offense yeah i mean that and literally you talked about like taking the batter out of the batter's box by pointing him to first that is the football equivalent yeah <laughs> of, of that of doing that i mean i I was dumbfounded by that play. Yeah, I yeah, I've, I've I'm I'm getting replaying it in my head now. What I would like to, if I'm, well, if you're an Arizona coach, well, I don't know. I mean, they've started well enough that Kevin Sumlin probably has enough cachet to be like, and he has played the other kid and did play the other kid against Washington for some, uh, but like has enough to say what what the fuck? Show me show me the correct version of that. Yeah. Show what were you going for? Just Show me explain world, it to me because like, I, I don't understand what the fuck you were doing. So show me what, what that, what does that look like when it goes right? That left-handed pass backwards, you know, like how, how are you going to contort your body to have it go forward? Where was it going to go? What was the aim there? That it gets past the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like that, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. <clears throat> and then, you, uh, you know, on top of that, running out of bounds at weird times, uh, just, uh, not being a pass completer, and I had seen a report this week that he's uh, potentially nursing uh, an unknown injury right now. It looks like it. Um, I, at the same time, though, USC is coming back home. I, you know, I feel like right now USC being home isn't actually the best place for them. Um, in some respects, you know, being halfway across the country in rural Indiana is not the worst thing for you know Clay Helton and staff um, to get away from campus. But, I, I, I mean, I have – yeah, I just have, you know, post-traumatic stress from having watched Khalil Tate. He looks so bad that, I mean, I think – I got to believe USC is going to crush these guys. I kind of think so, too. Uh, and really, that the, the kind of thing that's crazy about this is both of these teams uh, control their own destiny in the Pac-12 South. Yeah. You know, like it's there. The winner of this game is going to be uh, well-positioned. Yeah. But sure. I, I think it's going to be USC. Yeah. All right. Uh, last game before Dogs and Ducks. Uh, Arizona State and Utah monster game in the Pac-12 South. This one, if, you know, that other one was maybe the second Pac-12 South semifinal. This is the first Pac-12 South semifinal, the real one. Arizona State, Herm, goes into Rice-Eccles. 
Uh, Utah are 14-point favorites. Uh, this is a tough one to peg. This is a big number, man. 14 points, like mm-hmm. – because Arizona State, you know, they've won two games on the road against ranked opponents this year. Um, they've been, they've shown they can be stingy on D last week aside. They can be stingy. They stuck with everybody they've played. Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have bucked at Utah being the favorite, but if you had asked me to put a line on this game, I would have put like Utah minus four and a half probably or something like. Yeah, or but, certainly no more than a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why with the way ASU was you know played, why you would. I don't. I just don't know. I mean, Utah fourteen points seems big. I, I don't know that I can get behind that that number. Uh, I'll I'll take Utah in this game, just for kind of like a big big home win. You know, yeah, they're, they're fired up. Uh, and I'll leave the door open there. There you go. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, ASU, and I mean, I, I totally accept them losing the game, but I you know fourteen points just seems like such a big number to me. But whatever. What do I know? I've been, Get my ass kicked every week in this thing. Yeah, who knows? Uh, so next up, uh, game of the year every year. Washington hosts the Oregon Ducks. Uh, I didn't even know uh, that we snuck back into the polls, so that's good. Yeah, like twenty five or something. Yeah, I'll take it. We're ranked. Uh, uh, Oregon three point road favorites against the Dogs, who of course had their disappointing losses to the Bay Area schools this year. Um, yeah. Uh, Ducks undefeated in the conference. Uh, Ducks really kind of cement, almost lock up the North if they win this game. It's twelve thirty kick on ABC. Uh, by rule, we're all going to take Washington. So let's discuss the game. I think it's interesting to me. The two things that I'm curious about: one, did Washington actually figure it out on offense, <coughs> or did Arizona just crack? Yeah, um, you know. And, and are we going to go? Are we going to be watching Washington bang its head into the wall? Because Oregon's defense has played well all year. Um, yeah, certainly. So Washington comes out and moves the ball around the field. It's dynamic. And Chico McClatcher is getting touches. Hunter Bryant's getting touches. And, you know, Puka Nakua is getting touches. And, the you know, McGrew and Savannah Matt are getting touches. Like, all of a sudden, it looks like they've got a, a dynamic offense. And if they get in the red zone and can score, like, you know, it's like this could be a great game. I can also see this game where Washington is just – it's just clear that they just can't move the ball against Oregon's um, – defense and then so it's just going to be a slog the whole time with Oregon just sort of slowly pulling away um so that's one point that I'm super interested to see the other is I'm interested to see how good Oregon is um you know they played Auburn you know with in with Auburn's true freshman quarterback starting his first game Auburn played pretty conservatively pulled the game out late when they should have lost it and since that time I mean it's just been layup after layup for the Ducks right I mean yeah. they get they get a, a down Stanford team. They get Cal without his quarterback. They get Colorado at home. You know, they got their, their other two non-conference games were Nevada and somebody else terrible. Montana. Uh, yeah. So they're just crushing these bad teams or these teams that have injuries. And so it's like, is this going to be the game where Justin Herbert beats a ranked opponent? Because Washington's ranked now 25. That's what yeah. you um, uh, You know, on the road, uh, it's going to be interesting to me. Um, I want to see if they're as, as legit as they as they have appeared to be in this, you know, in the first couple of weeks, um, the first half of the season, I guess. Or if they, you know, kind of beat up on some cupcakes and, you know, this is going to be the first, you know, real dogfight that they've been in, in since their opening week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at them against Power 5 defenses this year, uh, 21 points against Auburn, 
21 points against Stanford, 17 points against Cal, 45 points against Colorado. Is Washington more like Colorado or more like Cal, Stanford, and Auburn? Yeah, I mean, very clearly we're better than than Colorado. That's what so. I kind of think too. I mean, I think they're they've shown, especially uh, missing uh, Breland, uh, who uh, let's look at what. Oh, he was there, but he was there like he was absolutely Herbert's safety valve. Yeah, he was one hundred percent his check down, his go to guy. Yeah, and then uh, I I do believe that Washington's defense has been coming along. They've been kind of you know moving pieces around, get McDuffie into the starting lineup, uh, you know, kind of messing around with the safety situation due to some busts by was it Cam Williams? Cam Williams had some busts, so Asa Turner played the most most of the game last week and looked pretty good. Ariel Nagata uh, replaced Kyler Manu in the middle, a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, a lot more speed playing on, on UW's defense last week. Um, and they look good. They're still super young and I think prone to breakdowns, but um, they definitely look good. And and you UW last week against Arizona, for whatever reason, was able to get a ton of pressure on Khalil Tate. I don't know if his offensive line was banged up or what you know what the story was there, but those guys got you know it was it was bringing four and, and someone was always collapsing in um, and flushing Khalil Tate one way or the other. And that, you know, has historically been when Kwiatkowski and Lake can just shut you out is when they can get pressure with four. Now, Oregon's offensive line is vastly superior to Arizona, so I don't know that that'll happen again this week, but um, something to watch. Yeah, and I think uh, an important game uh, for the Ducks, obviously, because they can salt away the Pac-12 North super early in October, uh, but also because they lose a lot of that line next year. They lose Herbert. Uh, and Washington is going to be bringing a ton back next year. Uh, and so you don't want to get Washington in a position where they're looking at uh, three out of four, potentially four out of five in the rivalry. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, I'd take it, though. Uh, what I, The other thing I want to say about back to Puka Nakua, why I think he's important in this game uh, is that, like, uh, OKGs are well and good, uh, but you need some dogs when it comes to a rivalry game. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And uh, for as good as he played, my favorite thing that Puka Nakua did uh, last week was after he made that catch that you mentioned where he uh, mossed the guy and then dragged two guys another 10 yards down the field, you know, is when he got up just screaming, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yep, that's we've been missing that. Emotion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We Wait, we need you need you got you have at at elite level college football. You need guys on the field where the other team's like, that guy might kill somebody. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Be beyond the football problems he presents to me, there I'm this this could potentially get worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's just it's just it's just like a good offense. There needs to you need to make the other people concerned about a range of outcomes. To yeah. include felonious violence. And and with Puka and Nakua on one side and Hunter Bryan on the other, like those are two massive matchup problems. Um, yeah. For any defense to have to worry about. And so it's just like it makes a ton of sense to have those guys out there. I don't know. We'll see if Peterson I mean you got Peterson's not an idiot, so I'm sure he, he noticed how how much better it looked with him in there, with him getting some looks. So we'll see if that was like I said, we'll see if that was a flash in the pan kind of a Arizona's defense was way out of sync, um, or if it was really the the you know the engine turning over for the offense, and 
UW's got something figured out. Uh, who's our wide receiver coach? Junior Adams, is that right? Junior Adams. Uh, what I what I'm hoping he did this week was just like take Puka Nakua aside and just be like, okay, here's all the drills we're going to be running in practice this week. Okay, here's what you need to do to look like you're doing well in them. Okay, because I want I I just want coach to be able to say that you practice significantly better this week. Yeah, because that, we're better when you play. That would be a good use of Junior Adams. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not telling anybody else this. I'm act. I'm in fact telling receivers ahead of you on the depth chart th- the wrong information. Yeah, <laughs> that we're doing. <laughs> yeah, that we're trying to highlight the contradictions here because yeah. I want to put us in the best position to win. So that yeah. way, coach is satisfied that you've taken a step forward in your preparation, uh, and that we bring the uh, you know we we highlight the game day difference we see during the week so that uh, we play more and it gives us a better shot to win. But yeah. I mean, because that's what I think it comes down to. It's like, uh, as as always, uh, I think this is a coin flippy game. Uh, the the belief factor is going to be gigantic. Okay, so uh, Oregon uh, uh, beyond uh, the fantastic offensive innovation they've had, uh, they're the major thing that changed in their program is they just think they're going to win all the time, uh, and certainly against Washington and which makes Husky stadium kind of a tricky place for Washington to play Oregon because if Oregon gets up early, uh, you know, the team's going to have to come back by themselves because the crowd's going to be, you know, we're there to be taken out of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's important to have, uh, bad boys out there on the field. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel, I mean, it's going to be a fun game. This is what, this is like, you know, again, before the playoff came along and, and, dominated every minute of every season that you're dealing with like these are the games that you cared the most about like regardless so like let's just let's enjoy it because that's what we got yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna miss a lot of this game <laughs> which is terrible uh, um, i'm going to this game this is a my man. second four yeah, the first game was cal where i went for approximately six plays and left after yeah, rain. yeah. so it's gonna be the first game i actually get to see oh, this yeah. the stadium. kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit yeah I went to, I think the first three. I think Hawaii and Cal and who do they played somebody else? Probably Eastern. I think we went. That was the first one. I think we went to that one also as a fam. But yeah, uh, I'm going to be coaching kids soccer during this thing and then check in at the end. Nice. Yeah. So for like your mental well being. Yeah, I don't, honestly, I'm going to have a better time because I'm rather than spending three hours being mad, I'm going to you know spend an hour. Uh, being like perturbed, you know, that these yeah. kids aren't just doing exactly what I tell them to do. But, yeah. you know, hopefully it works out for the best. All right. Anything to add? Uh, no. Excited for the weekend. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.